0: What you're about to read, every believer in history is looking forward to this day. This is not an easy passage today. It's one that every single believer in history. Moses, looking forward to this day. Uh, David, looking forward. Esther, looking forward to this very day. So let's see what the Lord has to say to us in these seven verses of Revelation chapter 21, look at your neighbor, touch him, and say, let's read the word today. Look at the other one and say, let's get excited about the word today. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Everybody ready? I'm telling you, everybody in history is looking forward to this day. Here we go. Read it with me. Here we go. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. My God, today. Here's what he said. Um, uh, When God the Father shows up, he can't handle the old earth because it has sin in it. So he has to get rid of it and create a new one so that he can reign. And then he says, and out of the sea came the dragon. So I don't want to have any sea anywhere. The sea's no more. All the water you need will come from heaven itself. Right. Oh, it gets good. Watch it. Here we go. Verse 2. Come here. Come here. Come here. Then I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her. My God, today. Every believer in history is looking forward to this day When the holy city will be coming down. The word Jerusalem means the city of peace. Ain't nothing peaceful about it right now. But when God shows up, then all wars will cease and there will be peace as he reigns from the city of peace next verse here we go here we go i've taught you this before if you're new to our church whenever you see this word behold it means something is behind it that's never been seen before and you need to go because the reader the reader the listener of this word would be like oh my god i've never heard this before i've never seen this before oh my and they're getting excited so don't be boring and read the scriptures like you don't know truth so here we go let's see what it says here we go and i a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Stop right there. Every, be- okay, you're not feeling this. Um, 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 um. In the Old Testament, they only had the tabernacle. In the New Testament, they sent Jesus. After Jesus, he sent the Holy Spirit. Now, God the Father himself has now come. Now listen, listen, listen. You're still missing it. You're still missing it. You see, Moses wanted to see the Father. But the Father said, you can't see me, bro. Because if you see me, you're going to be, you're going all of a sudden, you won't be anymore, Moses. So, listen now. What's going to happen is, when you got saved, you had imputed righteousness given to you, which is the only reason you have access to the Father. So now what happened spiritually is now going to happen physically. So now you can see the Father and not be obliterated. Good God Almighty. For the first time, every believer wants to see God face to face. And then for the first time, you get to see Him face to face. That's why, that's why. That's why the text says they said, Oh, um, um, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you. This is the day you've been waiting for when your soul gets to be satisfied permanently before the Father. Good God Almighty. If you can't preach this, go sell vacuum cleaners. Come on, here we go. He continues, he continues. Come on, here we go. He will with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now, the problem with us is, some of you be like, I mean, I don't need to see God. I'm good just the way I am. That's because you have been so deceived that you have elevated some other things that your heart longs for more than it does God. That's why the psalmist says, the psalmist says, the psalmist says, behold, I see him. Because there is a yearning of your body that wants to see your God. Here we go, next verse, come on. Come on, verse number three, here we go. This is the day you've been waiting on. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things. Good God Almighty, good God Almighty. Listen, 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 listen. Every time you go to a funeral, This is the day you're looking forward to. The only reason you have hope is because of this day. That no matter what the devil did in your past, when this day shows up, there will be no more crying. There will be no more tears. There will be no more mourning because Jesus has taken over. Here we go. Next verse. Verse 5. Verse 5. This is just the Bible. You should read it sometimes. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things. What? What? All things that are old are now passed away. Everything you see will be brand new because it's being prepared for the Father. He's showing up. He's coming to rule from Jerusalem and all Of history yearns for this day and let me remind you again if you're not yearning for this day it's because you have been deceived into feeling once your needs are met you're good so most of us God give me what I need God give me what I need and you're not you're not you're not going after the deeper things you're staying with the shallow things so all you want when he answers all your prayers none of them include I want to see you personally. Come here, come here, come here. I ain't done with you yet. Here we go. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You can only handle one more. Here we go. And he said to me, it is... Stop. No, 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 no. Don't run past that. You've heard that already. When Jesus said... It is finished. It is. Yeah. Now the Father is saying it is done. Yeah. Come here, come on, come on, come on, come here, come on. Theolog- theology. When Jesus says it is finished, it means the, the power of sin over the believer is finished. Yeah. Yeah. When the Father says it is finished, he means. The presence of sin anywhere is now gone forever. The first one had to do with power, which is why you can be victorious over anything. This time, it is that the presence of the mere anything that will attract you away from God is now gone. That is why it's a big deal. Know that he says. Why? I am the and." The beginning and the, listen, it's still a warning to those who thirst. To those who don't know what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. To you, he says, to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without. Good God Almighty, sit down. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Oh my God today. Father, wherever we are seated, standing, kicking it today, will you meet us right where we are? And will you will you change our spiritual taste buds so that we long for what is right and not long for the average? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said Amen. We're concluding this book today before we get into our candlelight services on Friday. But before we do so, I want to remind you of where we're coming from. If you've been with us along the journey, you know that we have walked through from Jesus coming to earth, to then Him dying on the cross, to then what we call the ascension of Jesus, and then the church age. All of this is in your sermon notes. Then we went through the rapture of the church. Then we went through the seven year tribulation. This is where you had the seals. This is where you had the trumpets. This is where you had the bowls. And he's pouring out his wrath because of the things that happened that he did not like. Then we went through the second coming. Then last week, the 1000 year millennial reign. Then the great white throne judgment. And now we get to the new heaven And the new earth. This is where we have come from over the last eight weeks. You should go back if you missed any and listen to it. So then from here, here's what we said. When we talked about the church age, there were seven churches. And um, John, speaking to them, he said, when you go through trials, and he's talking to us too. When you go through trials, he says, number one, you have two choices. Either you're going to be faithful or you're going to compromise. He suggested that what he wants you to do is when you go through trying times, he wants you to be faithful and he wants you to not look like the rest of the world. Chapter four and chapter five, he goes through it and he says, hey, when, when, when it comes to building a kingdom, you should be building God's kingdom, not your kingdom. He says, you ought to build God's kingdom, not yours, why? Because if you build your kingdom, you're you're depending on a placebo to give you satisfaction, and it will give you temporary satisfaction, but it will not be lasting. He says, However, if you build my kingdom, seek ye first his kingdom, then what will happen is you will have you will have stability and you will have peace, so that whether you have much or have little, you can still have peace because you weren't building your kingdom, you were building God's. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where the enemy deceives us. From Genesis chapter 1 through Revelation chapter 20, you, it starts in a marriage, it ends in a marriage, and in between we have a deceiver. That deceiver's job is to make Christians believe that they're, what they're doing is right when it's really wrong. And if you're not careful, you will buy into the exact same thing. So as you go through the text today, you're going to see three big words that show up over and over again. The first one is the water of life. The second one, it's in your notes, the second one is the tree of life and the third one, the third phrase is, I am coming quickly. And you see repeated in these two passages over and over and over again. Why is the, why does he talk about water so much? Why does he talk about the tree of life so much? And why does he talk about, I'm coming quickly so much? To fully understand it, you turn the page over with me. You've got to realize what happened in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 through 28, he tells us what's going to happen when the end comes. Now, stay with me because I'm doing a little theology with you today. He's going to invite you into a conversation with the triune God, God the Father and God the Son. Let's pick it up in verse number 24 of First Corinthians chapter 15. Watch what the text says. It says, read it with me, then comes the, Amen. no that's not everybody, then comes the, Amen. you got it, when his hands over the kingdom when he hands over the kingdom to God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. In other words, Jesus says, I have to do something because the Father gave it to me, I gave it to man, man messed it up, so I had to show up, die on a cross to get all power to now then hand it over to the Father. Watch the text, next verse. It says, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Next one. And the last enemy that will be abolished is? When is there going to be a time when there is no more death? When it's all said and done, Revelation 21 and 22. When there is no more death. Jesus is saying, when that happens, now I have to present it back to the Father which is what he's getting ready to do. And he's gonna present it back to the Father and the Father's gonna receive it and then he can inaugurate the new heaven and the new earth. We are a part of that dialogue, the cosmic dialogue that's going on in heaven where God is establishing the fact that he is, Jesus now is gonna give it back to the Father. So, what is the purpose of this book? Here we go. The purpose of this book then Is God wants to show the entire world, and he wants to give you such confidence that come what may, you will remain faithful to him. That's the purpose. Here it is. The purpose of the book of Revelation is to embolden your confidence in the King of kings and Lord of lords, come what may. Let me read it again. The reason this book is written is to light a fire under you, so that come what may, no matter what the enemy throws your way, You will, by faith, trust God and march through it. Let me me see if I can demonstrate it for you. What he's suggesting is, ladies and gentlemen, all of us need a finish line. And what he's suggesting is that there comes a time, there will come a time, if you haven't been there yet, it will come, where you're going to be going through something in your life. And it's going to be so difficult, the bombs won't fall out. You're going to go bankrupt. You're going to lose a loved one. And it's going to be really difficult for you. And he's saying, the only thing that will keep you from throwing in the towel, from wanting to commit suicide, the only thing that will keep you is when you know that there is a day in the future that is pulling you toward it. That says, even though I just lost my loved one, even though I just lost my bride, even though I just lost my kid. God is saying, there is coming a day when you get to Revelation 21 and 22. When the crying that you did over here will be dried up over here. Because you will see God and your loved ones and you will see them face to face. Here's what he's trying to suggest to you. Don't you miss it. That when the bottom falls out and it was a day that you never in your life expected to ever go through. If you don't have that day ahead of you, you will will bail God. You will hate God. You will reject God. You will say, how can there be a God? Unless you know that in the fullness of time, he's got a plan and that plan's not a bad plan it's a good plan and it is the only thing that will keep you sane in the midst of the pain that you go through i'm trying to help somebody today i'm trying to help somebody this is where most people abandon their faith because they don't realize the finish line they thought the finish line was their life and the life they had. And it was as good as it got. But that's not as good as it gets. The title of this message is The Real Happily Ever After. Yeah. Let me talk to you. So let me talk to some single folk. Single folk, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. You are convinced that when you get married, it's going to be happily ever after. <laughs> now, let me help you out. Oh, you're going to have some happy days. Oh, you're going to have some happy days. There are going to be days when you cannot believe. you got to pinch yourself because life is that good. But you're going to have some sad days too. Can I get a witness, somebody? Whether you're happily married or not, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. You're going to have some weeks that are bad, 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 bad. And you're going to have some weeks that are good, 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 sure enough, good. But you're going to have both. But the the real day you're looking for. When it really is happily ever after, when it's all good days, it's Revelation 21 or Revelation 22. When God says, I'm in charge now. When God says, water will flow from the throne room of heaven. When God says, no more death, no more pain, no more hurt, no more trials, I'm in charge now. That day is coming. And that's the day your heart should yearn for. The question on the floor is, does your heart yearn for it? Uh That's the question. So what the book is saying is, he wants to embolden your confidence in God. Come, what, may devil throw your best hand at me. I know my God is still fully in charge. So if you take it all away, like you did to Job, I'm going to praise your name. If you leave it with me, I'm going to praise your name. Like Paul, you're going to say, Paul, you're going to leave me, I'm going to serve Jesus. You're going to take me away, I'm going to be with Jesus. You can't do nothing because my confidence is in him. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just here to remind you that he says the day you should be looking forward to is the day when you see them face to face. The problem is, ah, ah the problem is, the problem is that some of you, <laughs> some of you, love to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. This is the problem right here. And so some of you because the devil's job is to deceive you, some of you think you're in the church. But the truth of the matter is, you got both feet in the world, which is why when I say to you, you, you must yearn to see him face to face, you'll be like, I got it pretty good now, I ain't trying to see nobody face to face. I'm good, you, your heart don't even move. When I say, you should yearn like David yearned to see him face to face, you'll you, you be like, what? I mean, I'm good. My bills are paid. I got a good house. I got a promotion. I own my own company now. I got people working for me. I, 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 and so you're feeling good and you're thinking, this is the life. No, it ain't no life. Because what your heart longs for is to see your father face-to-face. But if you've never had face-to-face interactions with him on earth, no wonder you don't long for it when you get to the last day. Because for so long you have yearned for, God just meet my needs, God just bless me, God just give me what I want, God just bless my kids. And your lower needs have been met but your higher needs have not. Ah, help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. So let me, let me, let me show you what I mean. Hmm. There are too many of you, good God Almighty, that what you love is you love appetizers. So the problem that you got is... You love appetizers so much. (laughs) Don't do this at home. Don't double dip. (laughs) But the problem is you love appetizers so much you have forgotten that there's a full meal. So you go about your day because the devil has deceived you, eating chips and salsa, all day long, God is good. All the time. He's good. He's showing up good. He an sure untimed God. Yes, he is. And you're preaching the, the old sayings of the saints from 500 years ago. And yet still, you've never spent intimate time with him. And you're wondering why you can't go to a deeper level with God because you have settled for the appetizer and you have abandoned the meal. Ladies and gentlemen, for far too long, there are too many Christians that fill up church houses and you love what you hear when you get from somebody else's food, but you have never gone to the word yourself. So you like the tr- cruise control folk, you come to church And you cruise your way in. You know, some of you got fancy cars now. you be driving and you be cruising. And you said, man, I don't want to use my feet anymore. So you go, beep, beep. And all of a sudden the car drives. Some of you so fancy, your car drive you now. And you love it. And so it's cruising you down the road. And you don't think about it again. Listen, listen, you don't think about it again until there's a crisis. Now you got to press your brakes. Now you got to take over control. You do the same thing on Sunday. You come to church, and you put it in spiritual cruise control. And so you leave church, and you don't go back to the Word, you don't go to your community group, you don't serve nowhere, and you just think, whatever you learned on Sunday is good enough to carry you through until there's a crisis. No, all of a sudden, you're talking about, I need thee, God, I need thee. When God is saying, the reason you're not looking forward to Revelation 21 and 22, It's because you don't know what it is to sit with me and to taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't know how to behold the beauty of God. And since you've never experienced it, you're not yearning for it either. Let me give you another illustration of it. I met a guy now and we've been developing a friendship. Went to a university in town. In, in Texas, that is, and um, worked for a company. Company brought him on, startup, got in, and then after three years, they sold the company. This young man made forty-four million dollars from the sale of that company. Six of them divided up, and he got himself forty-four million dollars. Listen, after a little while, he said, "About well, two years," he said, "Pastor, I, I, I'm not feeling this." I'm not feeling, because I feel, listen, I feel like I don't need God anymore. He said, Pastor, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like something's going on here, and I just don't need God, I don't feel God. And so I I really am thinking, when I read through the book of 1 Corinthians, and I've seen how generous some of these churches have been, I, I just feel I need to give it all away so I can need God, because I don't yearn to see Him anymore. Now, here's the problem with most of us. Most of us would argue, God, give me that problem. Okay. And the fact that we would laugh show how deceived we are. Because many of us feel much more um, valued at worshiping the money that we have than the God that we serve. You see, the tension this young man is having is that I, I, I don't know how to worship God. When I have all this at my disposal, it looks like I don't need him anymore. And he's wrestling with it in his heart. And I'm glad he's wrestling with it because what it means is he knows that there is something more than money. My problem is that too many of us are not convinced and we worship money in such a way that we think that money is more important than God. And my concern for the church of Jesus Christ is that we have been deceived. And we don't even know it. My concern is that we, the things we value now have nothing to do with God, but have to do with what's in it for me. And so we're in the world and we're living like the world and we think we're fully churched. And so now when somebody says, do you yearn to see your God face to face? We would say, "Uh uh-uh, because we don't have a clue what it even means. Because we've never spent time unhurried, alone, and it'd be the sweetest thing that your soul ever longed for. My question is, are you being deceived? And are you fully over the fence? Or are you trying to get back over and saying, God, I need to see you face to face. So I'm going to do everything I can to make sure the enemy don't deceive me anymore. To make sure what I'm doing is running for that, for that day, the day when you will come and I will see you face to face. Come here. Go to your sermon notes again. Let me show you how it started. Let me show you how it's going to end so you can see where we are. Watch the text. It's the second page in your notes. Here we go. The purpose of the book is to embolden confidence in Jesus, come what may. Here's how it started, Genesis. Watch it. How does it begin? The creation of heaven and earth. How does it end? A new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. Next one. How does it begin? The sun and moon to rule the night, the day, and the night. How does it end? The sun and moon are no more. Where does the light come from? God's glory is the light that ignites the whole world. Come on somebody. How how does it begin? It begins with the tree of life in the midst of the garden. How does it end? With the tree of life presented and available again. Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about, no, 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 no. You'll miss theology. Let's talk about this for a moment. There are two trees in the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, God had to banish them because he did not want them to eat from the tree of life. Because if they had eaten from the tree of life, then they would have been in their sinful body, but been able to live forever. So it was God's grace that protected them from eating from the tree of life. Excuse me, don't miss the theology of it now. So he says, I cannot let you eat from the tree of life because then you would live forever. Which means there are two bodies, two kinds of bodies. In the, in the new heaven and the new earth. The first one is the heavenly body. The second one is the earthly body. Pastor, where are you getting this thing from? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, run about verse 40. Let's read it together. See what it says. Take a look at it. Here's what the text says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one of God. And the glory of the earthly is of another. Two bodies in heaven. Now whoo! now listen to theology now. God says, when you get to heaven, new heaven and new earth, there are two people. There are people who died, and now they will come back to life with a heavenly body. And then there are people in the 1,000-year reign, millennial, that didn't die. So they're going to have their earthly bodies. So how are they going to survive? Well, that's why he has the tree of life. So from the throne will flow water that will supply water for the whole earth. And in it are trees called the tree of life, from which, read it when you get a chance, twelve fruits will come from it, from which these people who have earthly bodies will now feast from to maintain their life everlasting, even though it was not a heavenly body. So now you have the heavenly and you have the earthly, both living together, worshiping their God. That's the beauty of what God is setting up for you and I. That's why this last day is so very important. It's why your heart should yearn for it every single day. He continues, let's continue it. How it begins, how it ends. Let's see. Next one says, the river is flowing out of Eden. How it ends, the river is flowing. Where, family? From God's throne. Come on now. How it begins, next one, the bride formed for her husband, the marriage of Adam. How it ends, the bride prepared the marriage of the second Adam. How it begins, Uh, the garden is accessible to liars. That's why Satan got in. How it ends, the city is closed to all liars and the impure. How it begins, God's walking with his people face to face. This is what, this is the prize. God is most... Glorified in me when I'm most satisfied in him. Guess what happens in Revelation uh, 21? God, I get to be satisfied with you forever. Do you know when you know you're walking with God? When you're most satisfied. Not the stuff that you have satisfies you. God himself satisfies you. He's most glorified. He wants you to live so that you are satisfied with God alone. If I have nothing else... I'm satisfied because I have God. What's the text. It says, God again dwell, dwelling again with his people face to face. How it begins, next one, Satan is opposing and deceiving. How it ends, Satan is now banished and just. How it begins, the Redeemer promised the seed of the woman. How it ends, redemption according to the root of David. How it begins, it begins with the curse and the daily toil and sorrow. How it ends, no more curse and no more sorrow. What is he telling us? That there's coming a day when there will be no more mourning and no more crying and we will get to meet him face to face. What does it tell us then? What it's suggesting to you and me then is that what we ought to be doing is living our everyday life from the perspective of Revelation 21 and 22. You ought to orient your life with this last day in mind on your side you can see it and i can see it here on mine as well so that every decision i make i am making it with this day in mind every time i go to spend time with god i'm making it god i can't wait to see you face to face Every time I get up in the morning, God, I look forward to the day when I will see you face to face. Every time I go through a difficult time, God, I know this temporary affliction is nothing to be compared with the time when I see you face to face. It is what you orient your life around. Believers, Christians, people who know God, you need to know that if this is not in front of you, the devil will will make you doubt your God if this is not in front of you when you're going through these difficult moments the devil will say why do you want to believe God God's not telling you the truth God is just holding out on you he's just this great big miser in the sky why do you want to trust him why would a good God allow bad things to happen until you redirect and set yourself to the last day when he makes all things new ladies and gentlemen orient your whole life around this thing called the finish line, when God makes all things new. Can I get a witness, somebody? (sighs) Now, it gets really good. There are four things I wanna say in closing, as we, five things, as we summarize it, and as we go through the process. Go to the back of your sermon notes and you see the four principles I want us to live by moving from this book. You need to know, you need this finish line. Everybody does, because it's where happily ever after really begins. Here are the five principles I want to land on, and then we're done. Number one, here's what it says. The the ever-increasing joy is the reward of the presence of Jesus, seeing him face-to-face. The joy of your life, the thing that makes you most delightful. Should be you seeing God face to face. Which means anything else that gives you that kind of joy, you should wage war against it. Because it is robbing God of his his ultimate place. Let me say that again. Anything in your life that you want more than God has now become an idol to you. And it should be torn down so God gets his rightful place. Let me say it one more time. If you want money more than God, you should say, God, don't give me none because it might make me run away from That's why he says it's so hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. By the way, let me help you out because some of you are looking at me all crazy right now. If you're in this building, you're rich. Because all Americans do is compare yourself to the dude that got 10 million or the dude that got one million. Compare yourself to the dude that that got nothing and you'll see how good you got it. And he said, here's why it's hard, because you're going to put your faith and your joy in the money you got and not in the God that you got. And he says, it's what's robbing many of us. And we think we're godly when we're not. We look just like the world because what they run after is what we run after too. And the things of God, we'll be like, huh? Huh? I'm not that interested in seeing him. I talked to somebody last night after the sermon and they said to me, Pastor, you know what? I don't know that I want to see God face to face. I don't know that it's ever even bothered me that I didn't that I didn't yearn to see him face to face. And I say I know it's part of the deception of the enemy that we have allowed the little comforts that God has given us to make us so comfortable that we don't even realize that we don't even miss intimacy with God. And so we live in our little cocoons thinking that everything is great when we, our hearts, long more for. Let's see if the stock market is going to keep going up and up and up more than it longs for seeing Jesus face to face. And some of us be like, dude, you're too hard, man. Go back to Jamaica. Leave us alone. (laughs) And I'm here to say, don't be deceived. Your heart, your soul, the way God created you. He created you to yearn for him. And if you're not, God ain't the problem, we are. We have erected idols and we look just like the children of Israel that worship gods, stone gods and sun gods and plants and everything else. We look just like that. We've just masked it because we get to come to church and we don't look that bad. But as far as you dying to spend time with God and nobody else there, it's not there. And we think we have it all together when we really, really don't. There's something called zero tolerance. For many of us, um, if you say one plus one is, is three, everybody would say, no, it's not. It's two because of zero tolerance. If we, go to, if we go to a plane that's taken off and there's, there's um, fluid leaking from one, from one um, engine but not from the other, you don't want them to take off because of zero tolerance. But when it comes to God, we don't have zero tolerance. We have do whatever you think is right. Because we don't care so much about God's kingdom. We care more about building our own. And so that's why you can get so used to it. And you, you and I have this tendency too, where we compare ourselves to other believers, and we, at least I'm doing a little better than them, they're not the standard Jesus is. <laughs> Which is why there ought to be this yearning. So you need to ask yourself, do I long to see him face to face? You and I ought to ask ourselves, do I, do, 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 have I tasted recently? And seeing that the Lord is good. You and I ought to ask ourselves, have I, have I behold the beauty of God? Have I longed to see it? And if you haven't, then you must ask, what am I doing in my devotional time? That's allowing me to not even crave seeing him face to face. By the way, just so you know, he can make you get there quickly. He really can. He, he can make you get there real quick, where you be like, "Oh God, come quickly, please, come right now, get me out of this mess." He can, but he wants to win you over. But he's not going to do it with you listening to everybody's sermons and everybody's podcasts. He's going to do it because when it's just you and him, alone in the closet, enjoying time with God. Can I get a witness? Somebody, come on, somebody. number two so you should have this joy that you're running hard after number two watch this the moment this moment the finish line should orient your daily life and your identity in Christ this moment that's why we have this you should carry it with you everywhere you go and it should orient your whole life every single day you should be asking the question God Am I looking forward to seeing you daily? And if I'm not, change my heart, oh God. May it be like yours. You should orient your whole life around this. Not around the stock market. Around Revelation 21 and 22. Because this is the day that you give up. Every funeral you go to, that's the day they're talking about. Every time I go to comfort somebody in the hospital, that's the day I'm talking about every time somebody lost a loved one that's the day i'm talking about every time a mom loses a child that's the day i'm talking about how else can you make it through unless that you know that there's coming a day when your god will make all the wrong things right that's why it's so important it really really is to your faith the third one says watch this one now the third one says listen please remember this as long as you live hope without A time of fulfillment is delusional. Hope without a time, a finish line, is delusional. Let me say it again. If you have hope, but it don't have a finish line, you're gambling. You hope it work out. You're bankrupt. You hope that things be okay. But I'm telling you, your God has decided that there is coming a day When all wrongs will be righted. When all the bad he will turn out for his glory and for his good. And because of that, you're not living like you have no hope. You have hope in the man called Jesus the Christ. And that's important for every believer. Because you're not a delusional person. Because if you are, what people say to you is, why would your God do this to you? But you know the answer. And the answer is that there is coming a day when everything that I did not understand will make perfect sense to me. And that day, I'm looking forward to. Um, one of the students in our middle school ministry this week went to school, true story, went to school, and um, a Muslim young kid said, hey man, well you need to be a Muslim. Why, why is it that they, we got more people being converted to Muslim than anybody? You need to be a Muslim. So this, 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 this middle schooler, said um how do i become a muslim what do i have to do come on, you said well you got to just you just you got to do these things and do them all the time and said so if i mess up like right before i die yeah you ain't gonna make it he said he said he said he said bro you need to come follow jesus because jesus middle schooler he said because jesus said i did all the work So that you can have eternal life based on faith alone in Christ alone. I don't have to do nothing but trust Jesus. You got to keep this list of stuff. So why don't you consider Jesus instead of whoever you're considering right now? Here's my problem. A middle schooler does it better than most of us. A middle schooler can share the gospel better than most of us. Because he has a relationship. With God. I wonder how it's yours. I wonder if every time you get a word, you say, Oh, this word is good. It's from somebody else. I wonder when it's gonna be when you read your own Bible and you be like, Oh, this good, this good, God, this good. When 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 does it become you reading your own word? Instead of, oh yeah, I got my five, my top ten pastors I listen to. When are you going to be the own pastor of your own soul? So the Spirit of God can reveal something to you on your own. So that when you leave, you'll be like, if it's this good with just me and the Bible, what would happen if I ever saw him face to face? But if he deceives you and you never read it, if he deceives you and you always have to get somebody else's chewed up word. Then don't, no wonder you have no desire to see him face to face. It's because preachers like me have taught you the lesson. That all you got to do is come to church and we'll give it to you. You don't have to go mind the word for you. And ladies and gentlemen, the reason we, many of us have no desire for the finish line is because we don't have a desire to see him in our closets. Hello, is anybody out there today? Because if you know what it is, when you at the bottom of the bottom and he meets you at the bottom and he walks with you and he talks with you, if you know what that is, then when you see him face to face, the world can't contain your yelling and your screaming. Because you know what it is, because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So the invitation as we conclude our sermon series is to remember that he wants to embolden your faith so that come what may, Whether you live with a little or whether you live with much, you still going to praise the Lord. Like Job, you will say, you gave me a lot, I praise you. You took it all away, I'm still going to praise you. Like Paul, you're going to say, for me to live is Christ, but if you take me out, I am in the day I'm seeing him face to face. Ain't nothing you can do, devil, to stop me from worshiping my God because he's been too good to me. So the challenge as we go to number four is this. Will you spend time, unhurried time, so you know what it's like to see him and interact with him face to face. Number four, an intimidated person. Ooh, honors what he fears more than he honors God let me help you out with this we'll talk about this in February next year you see when, when COVID happened too many of us were more fearful of COVID than we were of God so COVID managed your entire life not God COVID did because you are so fearful but when you see the day coming fear death where is your sting Grave, you got nothing over me. Because absent from the body means I'm present with my Lord. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't be wise, but I am saying it shouldn't control everything you do. What controls you is the sovereign God and what he says about you. So therefore, don't let, fe- don't, don't let the thing you worship drive you. Only God should. The last one, then I'm done. The last one, then I'm done. Watch it. We have a tendency to live by the idea of performance over purpose. God desires us to live by our purpose over our performance. Men in the house, I'm talking to you now. Men. Men. Ladies, you too. But listen as if I'm not talking to you. Men. You. Let's go, man. you know you're an orphan child when you try to perform your way to success. You remember the, um, Luke 15? The, the son who left and was wayward and squandered everything he had. When he came back, his dad affirmed him as his son. He affirmed his identity and said, My son, let's, let, let's throw a party. Let's, he's home, my son. Why? Because the dad affirmed his identity. The one who was there. Here's his complaint. Well, I have performed my way and I did everything that was right, so what's up why I don't get a party? That's because he thought performance is what mattered to the dad, not his identity. men in the house, I need you to know something today. God loves you on your best day and he loves you on your worst day because you are his son. So your performance is one hundredth to him. What's primary is you're his son. And he loves you just the way you are. Do not let the enemy deceive you into thinking that you can perform your way to please God. You don't. He created you the way he wanted you. And he loves you just the way you are. And he says, do not be an orphan son you don't have to perform your way. I already love you just the way you are. He's telling you sons, he's telling you daughters, he loves you just the way. Don't let the devil deceive you into thinking you've got to be this or that for him to love you. He loves you just the way you are. With all your drama, with all your mess, with all of it, he loves you. And he sent me by to tell you, you don't have to perform for him. He loves you just the way you are. He says all he wants you to do is long for him more than anything else. So the question is, will you go change your appetite so the things you desire are the things of God and not the things of this world? So that your heart, your mind, and your soul will long to see him face to face. Heavenly Father, for such a long time we've played church. For such a long time church has been and God has been, what have you done for me lately, God? And what it has not been is a time of unhurried time with him what God's been saying to many of us is I miss my time with you those moments that we shared when it was just you and God God will you create a thirst in us again so that we will crave just sitting and tabernacling with you so that Revelation 21 will be part of what we all yearn for. Allow us moments where we get to taste it. Allow us moments when we get to revel in it. Allow us moments. Create the thirst in us so that it will be normal for this body of believers to yearn, to run into your presence and stay there and have moments there and have hours there where it's uninterrupted where we couldn't care what's going on on our reels or in our stories but what we care about is your story and the fact that we get to be a part of it Will you increase our desires change our hearts O oh lord so it aligns with yours what a joy it is that you invite us afresh to a relationship with you where intimacy is normal because you miss us thanks for knocking out our doors thanks for opening the door and say come on in I've been waiting may that be normal in this church this week so that we're not on cruise control but every day and every moment we orient ourselves around Revelation 21 and 22 and every single day we're spending this time with you. Increase our confidence and our faith. So come what may, we run the race. You've set before us, in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, somebody, give God a round of applause right where you are, come on.